Hello, Church. My name is Juna, and we will now be reading today's passage in the scriptures from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Please follow along in your own Bible or the screen. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. For those that are new or visiting for the first time and those online, my name is Jay. I'm one of the pastors here uh, on staff. And um, just to let you guys know, I was not scheduled to preach today. Um, but uh, due to uh, health and safety protocols, uh, I was given uh, a message last night saying, or yesterday morning saying, hey, I think. Uh, so please pray for Pastor Eugene. Um, he, he just said he got hit by, he felt like, he feels like he got hit by a truck. So. Uh, pray for his family as well. I think some of the kids are sick. But uh, besides that, happy Father's Day. Um, I want to celebrate all the fathers here. Um, and just to, just to kind of vent, um, my, my youngest son, uh, his daycare, they provided my wife with like a wonderful card and um, like a picture, you know, and like I think they had a Mother's Day like dinner that you can go to, you know, like pick up the kid and like you get food and stuff. And um, they did nothing for me, so um, just wanna just wanna let that out there. And um, for those, uh, you know, Father's Day can be a joyous occasion for for so for those that are uh, enjoying today, um, we celebrate with you. For those uh, that might be a difficult time today, um, whether you have uh, you know a bad relationship with your father, or if you've lost your father, or you may not have your father, uh, you know, we also want to empathize and and uh, acknowledge that as well. But we gather today. Uh, to celebrate with our, our Heavenly Father. So um, I hope that that will bring some peace and comfort uh, for you as well. Well, you know, last week we started a new sermon series uh, really t talking about the, the, the core, uh, the main theme of the book of Colossians, talking uh, as Paul was warning the church in Colossae about 
the, the vain philosophies and the empty deceits of, of this world and how that it can so easily uh, turn people uh, away from the truth of the gospel. And, and so for the next uh, you know, four weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, some polarizing topics, some, some issues and, and things that uh, might be considered philosophies and vain deceits of this world. And, and like I mentioned last week... Um, you know, oftentimes when I read that passage, I would think that the philosophies and the empty deceits that would try to take me away from the truth of the gospel would always be like cults and, uh, you know, weird religions. Uh, but then I, I, I realized that those, you know, you know, cults and weird religions, though they could be very dangerous, oftentimes the, the greatest dangers that we face as, as uh, Christians in this world are, are, are the subtle philosophies that are taught by both this world and even by fundamental Christianity, or even by our, our churches. Uh, oftentimes, the very things that take us away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ are not things that are so blatantly anti-gospel, but are things that are just slightly uh, varied from the truth of, of, of what God is teaching us through Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I was thinking about, um, the topic that I thought would, would be very appropriate for us to discuss, uh, one that maybe. Um, you may not even thought about as something very polarizing, but was really uh, the, the idea and the topic of evangelism. Well, how do we in our world today view evangelism? How do we view um, the practice of evangelism? How do we not look like Jesus freaks and fanatics as we try to share the gospel with the people around us? Or to be blatantly uh, honest, Evangelism is probably one of the core tenets of our Christian faith, and yet one that we um, blatantly disregard and disobey. Uh, if I have to kind of, if I took a survey, like if I went one by one, like, hey, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Like, it would be hard for you to remember, right? Um, and, you know, if I said, when was the last time you even uh, had a deep conversation with a non-Christian friend? Maybe many of you would be like, I don't have any non-Christian friends, you know, or, or and, and that's just kind of the, the reality where we think about our Christian beliefs, things that we are supposed to hold as, as uh, you know, core tenets, and yet somehow uh, the philosophies of this world, the, 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 the vain deceits of man-made religion have made it so that we are so easily ignoring uh, one of the main commands that we find in scripture to go therefore and make disciples of all nations you know the world seems to kind of teach us that that the act of evangelism or or proselytizing is uh something seen as very offensive right it's one of the most offensive things that someone can do or we even just in our own internal minds have this idea or this view that if i am outspoken about my faith that you know that my career will end or i'll lose my job you know especially here in the bay area right um, i did a little google search the man who lost his job who got fired for evangelizing um, i didn't find a single article you know except for except for um you know, the kind of like these weird fake Christian sites, you know? Like, and I was like, oh, wait a second. Has it, like, I was trying to think, has there anyone, do I know anyone that got fired because they're evangelizing? And I was like, unless they're like really weird, probably not, right? But yet, I, I think if you're a Christian, we have this deep fear that if we share our faith or even if we proclaim that we are people that go to church or believe in Jesus, that somehow that we are gonna be persecuted. And I, I think that's a kind of a false notion there as well, right? So, um, 
there is today what we're going to be talking about. Uh, as we've read through the uh, passage of Mark chapter 2, we're going to see a story of Jesus, how he heals a paralytic, and we're going to see some of the analogies or, or some, some, some things that we can learn about uh, what evangelism can look like for us in our lives and in our day. So today what we're going to talk about are three points. We're going to look at um, the, the culture of self-sufficiency. Uh, and, and just kind of the, the moral sensitivity that we have, that this world teaches us. Then we're going to look at uh, some misguided understandings about what evangelism is or what it's founded upon. And then we're going to look at how we have misplaced uh, just the, our own adequacy uh, in evangelism. Okay? So now, the first point, we're going to talk about the culture of self-sufficiency. That the world teaches us that you are good enough on your own. Now, um, I grew up in an era, you know, I'm grew up in the 80s and 90s, and I grew up in an era where friendship, um, it, it kind of looked like this, where, um, you know, friends are, you have good friends, and they get to know you in a very intimate way, um, because our job as friends was to figure out uh, each other's deepest flaws and insecurities so that we can make fun of each other about it, you know, so that we prepare one another for the real world, because the real world it's a tough place, right? Uh, people are going to judge you based on your appearance. People are going to judge you based on uh, your shortcomings. And, and, and the more you roast your friends, you know, like, I don't think we knew what we were doing, but we were really just training each other for real life. You know, we, we, we call each other out. We make fun of each other. You know, you, you, and you get all butthurt. You get all, you know, you get all sensitive, you know, and then, but you're like, hey, shut up. Just, just, you know, just do it. And that was kind of the culture I grew up in. But the culture now seems a little different um, where everyone's all about, like, oh, you can't say that. You know, like, you can't point that out, you know, like, hey, like, you know, like, you can't call him short, but, you know, like, but I know I'm short. You know how many jokes I heard about being short, you know? And now I don't care that I'm short. Well, kind of, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just part of life, right? But, I, I, and, and the reason why I bring this up, again, and, and not to say, hey, we should be, like, toxic in our relationship, no, nothing like that. But the reason why I bring this up is because the world has taught us and the world continually kind of teaches this message that if you point out to people their shortcomings, that they're not good enough, or that there is something wrong with them, that that is the most offensive thing that you can do. Right? So there's a whole message, there's a whole uh, teaching in this world where it's like, hey, everyone is good. There's innate goodness in everyone. You have the ability and the power to be able to achieve great things that if you put your mind to it, that you will be okay. There's this idea of as long as you think positively, that you will be able to achieve great things, that your life will be okay. And this is a, a philosophy and a teaching of this world in our culture that truly has taken us away from the reality that we are all people in need of a savior. I think this is why evangelism and the, and the, the, the call to evangelize is so difficult for us as Christians. Because what the Bible teaches is that we are not good. That we are not innately able to do great things. Right? I mean, the very foundation and the very beginning of the gospel is that you are in desperate need of a Savior. I mean, just the, 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 the Bible passages that are very clear says there is none righteous, not even one. 
Uh, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says uh, that you are, while you were dead in your sin and trespasses, right? And, and the picture that Apostle Paul, that I have in mind, is, is like zombies. You know, zombies are walking around, but they're really dead. That, that's humanity in our spiritual condition, that we are spiritual zombies, unable. And, and here's the thing about zombies, like, except for one movie. Um, zombies can't turn back. They, and they can't turn back on their own, right? Uh, is, is Will Smith's movie, is that considered zombies or are they vampires? I, I forget. Anyways, not, not that one. There's a, there was another zombie romantic comedy one. I forget what it was called, but then they, he turns back. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? No? Yeah? Okay. Warm blood? Warm bodies, yeah, yeah. But that one's fake. That's a dumb one. Okay? Uh, real zombies, they can't turn back. You know, they're dead and then you just have to kill them again. That's, I mean, that's how the Bible describes us in our spiritual condition. We are dead in our trespasses. And the very foundation and the very basis in which we share the gospel of Jesus Christ is that someone has to acknowledge or someone has to, uh, you know, communicate that you by yourself are unable to save your life. That you by yourself are unable to meet the very standard in which God has placed that if you want your life to be aligned with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you have to admit that you are not good. But we have slowly been saturated with the teaching of this world that tells us, no, everyone is good. And to, be, and to point otherwise, it would be absolutely offensive, would be absolutely fanatical, would be uh, something that would, you know, cause somebody to be canceled immediately from their work or from, from their position or whatever the case is. But when we look at this passage, I want, the first thing that I want us to notice is this, that Jesus, he is in Capernaum, he is preaching to, in a house and it was so crowded, and it says that uh, there were, you know, four men who carried their friend to Jesus, and, and again, and I think if you see this as an analogy, what we see is that these four men, they were able to recognize the inability of their friend to himself go to see Jesus. And that they were willing to do anything and everything, even at the cost of their own comfort and physical strength, to carry him to Jesus themselves. And I think that's what evangelism is. It's a very offensive thing to first number one recognize that someone who is not saved or who does not have their faith in Jesus that they by themselves are incapable and in, unable to take themselves to the truth of who God is that there needs to be people around him to be able to physically lift them up and take them to where Jesus is now I don't know if you guys have ever tried carrying like uh, like a sleeping child like my, you know, my kids are kind of small, um, but like my daughter now is in fourth grade. And if I have to move her while she's sleeping, like it's kind of difficult, you know? Like if she runs up and jumps on me, it's like easy. You know, I can, and if she's awake, I can carry her on my back, whatever. But if she's like just dead weight and you have to lift her up, it's just like, oh, what the heck? What's going on? Why am I so weak? These friends, like this paralytic, he's dead weight. It's not an easy task. And yet they knew that the absolute best thing that they could do and provide for their friend was to physically ki uh, carry them, take them to Jesus, and then, you know, go to, go to great lengths 
you know, they saw that it was, it was too crowded. They couldn't get in through the door. So they, they take them up to the roof. And then, you know, it, it requires some engineering, I, I assume. They probably had some kind of pulley system. Like, they, they, they made a hole in the roof. And then they lowered him. You know, like, they didn't just drop him, right? They, this is where I'm thinking, like, they had to have a pulley system, right? Like, they had to have rope and stuff. Because they lowered him through the roof just so he can have an encounter with Jesus. And this is the very foundation in which we say, if we are called to evangelize and share the gospel with those around us, that we have to understand that the spiritual condition of those people around us is that they're completely immobile, completely unable to come to Jesus on their own. The very foundation of this is one that is offensive to our culture. Now that leads us to our second point, which is the misguided, mis- uh, the misguided understanding of evangelism that we have. And here's the thing. When we think about philosophies and the empty deceits that, that lead us astray from the gospel, it doesn't only come from outside the church. It can come from inside the church as well. Right? And oftentimes, um, you know, we assume that as, as long as we are part of a church, that the things that the church teaches is, is good and, and true. Uh, but in any man-made system, there's got to be always some form of skepticism, right? There's going to always be some form uh, of taintedness. And I think in many ways, for, the, for many decades, maybe even centuries, this idea of evangelism uh, has not changed. And thus, we have become stagnant in how we operate as Christians in making disciples of all nations. Uh, for me, growing up, Evangelism was, number one, you take somebody, you invite them to a Billy Graham crusade, uh, you know, like crusade for Christ. So you go to, you know, for me, I grew up in Southern California. We went to Anaheim Stadium, and then we, it's like, hey, and then go down to the field and accept Jesus, and you think that's all good. Or you, you, you know, uh, memorize the four spiritual laws. Maybe you guys are familiar with it. Maybe you're not. Um, some Others taught like the Romans road. You go through the book of Romans and you kind of go down the list and you think as long as you are able to communicate that, that that is evangelism. Right? Um, but when we look at this passage, I, I want to kind of pinpoint or, or point out kind of two characters here. We, we have the four friends and then we have the scribes. Uh, the four friends, even though we don't understand why, uh, they display a faith in the power of Jesus. And then the scribes, who are the religious leaders, who are the very people uh, who would, in this day, would probably be up here, you know, speaking to you guys, um, they have absolutely zero faith in the power of Jesus. And, and I think a lot of times we, we assume um, that humans, that we are highly intelligent, uh, especially in this day and age, and that we are therefore people who are going to be very skeptical of things. Um, but uh, let me be honest. We're not that smart, okay? And we're not that skeptical. We're willing to believe a lot of very unbelievable things, okay? Now, my parents, um, here's an example of their uh, um, willingness to believe unbelievable things. My, my parents, you know, they're immigrants, so they, they believe in Eastern medicine. Uh, so my dad, he heard from somebody that the onion has the power to take away all the bad toxins in your body. So what he did was he would slice onions, put it in his sock, and then he would put it, put it on his feet, and then he'd, he'd sleep with it every day. And we'd be like, Dad, that's dumb. That, that doesn't work. And then he'd be like, look at this onion. Look how black it is. That's all my toxins. Like, no, no, that's just rotten now. 
you know? He's like, no, no, no. And then, you know, this is when we were first married, me and my wife were first married. And then we were sleeping. I was like, dude, what's that smell? And I was like, and I would find onions under my bed because my dad would come over and he would put onions there. Because he, he believed that it would take, you know, make us healthy. Um, you know, me and my brother were, were both bald. And uh, he, my dad found out, or he believed, that a mixture of vodka and vinegar, and if you just spray it on your head, that it would regrow your hair. And he swore by it. He's like, look at my hair. Look how full it is, you know. And, and it wasn't that full, but he's like, it works. And every time we go over to his house, you know, we'd just be watching TV, and he'd just sneak up behind us, and he'd just spray our head. Because he believed that this would cure our baldness. You know, I was like, Dad, if, if you knew how to cure baldness, you'd be very rich. You know, and, 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 and the reason why I bring this up is we're willing to believe a lot of things, okay. Some of you guys, you guys watch Instagram videos and TikTok videos, and you believe some of the stuff on there. Right? Um, and it, so it's not about the message. It's one, is it something that you already kind of agree with? Or two, is it coming from something, someone that you believe is a reliable source? So yesterday, um, you know, I was having a conversation with someone from our church, and I was telling them, oh, I have a hard time falling asleep. You know, because, you know, as I get older, I just can't fall asleep. And uh, he was like, oh, um, what you should do is every morning you wake up, you take a cold shower. And then go out to the sun for 15 minutes. I didn't question it. I didn't ask him for scientific backing. I didn't ask him for resources. I believed him. So this morning I took a cold shower when I woke up. And I stood out in the sun for 15 minutes walking my dog. Because I trusted him. But I don't know. Is it really going to work? Am I gonna, I'll let you know next week if I fall asleep well today. Okay? And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm letting, you know, talking about this is because we have this kind of this understanding both as Christians or just as the world that we have become, at, at, you know, we've achieved a level of intelligence and understanding of science and everything that we, therefore we are going to be skeptical of stories like the gospel, that Jesus has rose again from the dead. And yet we are people who are willing to believe outrageous things, weird conspiracies, and put our trust in things that don't make sense. We are willing to under, or listen to ads and advertisements and claims that companies have, and we are willing to place our trust in that. And yet, and, and the reason why is because, number one, do we believe the source? Or number two, is it something that we want to believe? So when we share the gospel, it's not about the believability or, or our ability to convince somebody or our ability to be able to tell them all the facts about something. Uh, when we evangelize and we share the gospel with uh, people around us, it's about, number one, are you a reliable person? And two, do you believe in the power and the authority of Jesus as the Son of God? The reason why many of us as Christians, why we do not evangelize, Number one, you know, there's fear, there's, there's shame. Uh, but I think deep down there's a possibility that the reason why it's so difficult for us to share is because we don't truly believe in the power of Christ that he can save and forgive and change the lives of the people that we encounter. The very main theme of the story here in Mark chapter 2 is not about Jesus just healing a paralytic. It's about Jesus performing this miracle and proclaiming to the very people in that house and, and here in writing that he has the power and authority to forgive sin. He says, when he sees this paralytic, the first thing he says to him is, son, your sins are forgiven. The lack of faith of the scribes, they start questioning in their heart, 
who is this man that says his sins are forgiven? Who does he think he is? It says Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were questioning him. I, I, I mean, it's plain as day. He basically read their mind, right? And he says, why do you question in your heart? What is easier to say for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and pick up your mat and go home? And he says, so that you know that I have authority. He says, son, pick up your mat and go home. And it says that, and he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Like what? The, the word this is connected not to the act of the man getting up and, and, and walking out. The word this is connected to the statement that Jesus made. Son, your sins are forgiven. What they witnessed was the power of the Son of God forgiving the sin of this paralytic. And if you are a believer, if you profess to be a Christian, then what you have witnessed in your own life is the power and authority of Jesus Christ forgiving you of your sins. And therefore, our very basis and foundation of evangelizing and sharing comes not based on how good we are, does not come based on, on how well-equipped we are or how well-versed we are. It, it's based on who Jesus is, his power and authority, his work of living a sinless life, dying on the cross and raising again from the dead. And that leads us to our third point. I think there is a misguided uh, a view that our adequacy is very important for our evangelism. Okay? And it comes from both sides. Uh, I, I think in the Christian circle and the non-Christian world, it tells us that you are unable or you are disqualified to be evangelist or share the gospel unless your life looks a certain way. Right? So uh, from, from the, the non-Christian side, they say, how dare you tell me how to live? when you live exactly the same way that I do, right? And, and, and so there's kind of like this hypocrisy in it, and, and it works because it makes us feel guilty and it makes us feel inadequate. Uh, but when we look at truly what evangelism is about, it's not about pointing people to the goodness of our life. It's not saying, hey, you should come to church because ever since I've gone to church, boy, is my life great. That's not evangelism. That's, that's, that's marketing, right? That's advertisement. Uh, evangelism is, hey, let me, let me introduce you to who Jesus is. Let me introduce you to who, what Jesus has done. Let me introduce you to why I believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God. That's what evangelism is. Not our adequacy, but the adequacy of, of Jesus as the Son of God. Now, I mean, and, and in the church, we, we think about, like, hey, like, you want to be an evangelist? You know, you, like, if you've ever shared in a, in a community group or, like, a, or a small group or a Bible study or to your, you know, to the church leaders, like, you know, I have a really hard time with, Bible, or with evangelism. Oftentimes the answer is, well, then let me train you. Have you been trained in evangelism? And, and, and what is the training in evangelism? What does that even look like? Right? I, I, and I'm still trying to think about that. And then when I look at... Um, the Gospels, and I think about like the most effective evangelists in the Gospels, a lot of the times, they're the recent converts. The woman at the well, she encounters Jesus. He tells her everything about her life. He calls her out on her, on her adultery. And what does she do? She goes back to her town and tells everyone that she knew about come and see a man who knows everything about my life. 
She wasn't trained in evangelism. She didn't have all of her doctrines down. She had an encounter with the real Jesus, and she said other people need to encounter him as well. The man that was born blind, he, he, he's born blind, and then he goes and tells everyone, and then he starts telling, uh, you know, and then the scribes and Pharisees are like, tell us what really happened. Were you really born blind? He's like, yeah. He's like, if you want to know, like, go talk to the man yourself. He, again, he, here's an evangelist, right? The, the thief on the cross, this guy is literally a criminal. He's being crucified. He says, Jesus, don't forget me when you go to paradise. And then the other thief goes, hey, like, if you're, you know, if you're the king, like, get yourself down from the cross. And he's like, hey, how dare you? Don't speak to, you know, you know the king of the Jews like that. Like, he's an evangelist pointing again this man to, to Jesus. And so what I want to say is this. If you are a believer, you have what it takes to be an evangelist. Why? Not because you're good. Not because you're smart. Not because you're good at arguing. But because you have had a true and real encounter with your Savior. And you point people to that, uh, to him. You show them who he is. I think this is something that we all need to wrestle with. We all need to struggle with. So to end, I'm just going to give just one quick application. In, in order for us to truly be uh, um, evangelists, I, I think in, in a uh, very biblical way, um, you need to make friends with people who don't know Jesus. Um, who, was the, who are the people that brought this paralytic man to Jesus? His friends. It wasn't the religious leaders. It was his friends. Right? And, and the reason why oftentimes uh, we say, I, I don't know how to evangelize because I don't know how to answer questions that non-Christians have. Um, you know why we don't know how to answer questions that non-Christians have? Because we don't know the questions that non-Christians have. Why? Because we don't know any non-Christians. And, and here's the thing. I'm saying Make friends with non-Christians not because they are to be your project that you are going to save. Just genuinely be friends with them for the purpose of being friends. And then perhaps there will be instances where God will place them in your life at a particular season where they may reach out or you may reach out to them. And, and this is just the natural organic way in which God desires for us to be evangelists to those around us. If we are constantly only surrounding ourselves with people that we are comfortable with, people that we like, people that we have the same beliefs with, then it's going to be difficult for us to have, uh, to be able to, you know, practice the discipline of evangelism. Except, you know, just randomly going on the street and be like, believe in Jesus. Having relationships with these people is the very reason why we are still remaining here on earth after we are saved. Otherwise, God would just take us straight up to heaven. So think about that the next time you, you, you have conversations with people. Think about that the next time you start building relationships with people. Think about the fact that perhaps we need to get out of our comfort zone to have relationships with people that may not think like us, uh, think like us or have the same values as us for the very purpose that maybe one day we can share the gospel of Jesus with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Um, God, I, I, know, I know that evangelism and, and sharing our faith is, is a topic that uh, can be sensitive because we feel guilty about not doing it or it can be difficult because the world sees it perhaps as uh, fanatical or, you know, you know, 
hey, don't put your beliefs on, on my life. And, and I think there's a lot of things that we still need to consider and think about and be thoughtful of. But Lord, help us uh, to be obedient to your call uh, that you have made for us, that we should go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Uh, God, we pray for people in our lives, our friends, our families who, uh, who do not know you. Uh, help us to be the vessel. Help us to be uh, the very people who bring them to you. And God, most importantly, help us um, to have faith in your power and your authority, uh, that you are the one who forgives sins, uh, that you are the one uh, who is the son of God, who has uh, the power uh, to bring us eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.